I would love to open us up with a word of prayer. Uh, dear Lord, I, uh, I thank you so much for bringing us all here tonight on Sylvester's Cafe. I pray that you'd please help us all to be able to really focus um, clearly on you and your word, God. Uh, I pray that you'd please speak through me tonight uh, using your words and using your Holy Spirit uh, and that uh, the words that come out of my mouth would really be impactful uh, and meaningful to everyone here. I pray things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so Psalm 147.4 says, He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. And then Matthew 10.29-31 says, What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. So the average head has about 100,000 hairs on it. And the average person loses about 100 hairs per day. Okay? It's kind of gross, actually, honestly, when you think about it. But don't think that hard about it. Uh, it's, just, it's just crazy. Like, that's how many, like, it says, God, uh, the very hairs on your head are numbered. So if you ever feel lonely, or like nobody knows you or can understand like what you are going through in life, that is a lie. That is, that is grossly inaccurate and it's just not true at all because you have a God that is so powerful, he, could, he literally made all of the stars in the universe. If you're curious like what that looks like, when you get home, Google like stars or images of stars, like how big is the known universe, like how much of the universe we know of right now. It's huge, okay? God is huge. And he knows each hair on your head. That is crazy. That is a crazy detail to know about you. This series we're, we're going through right now, God is, uh, it's awesome. I've been really enjoying it. It's fantastic. We're getting to learn so much about God. And what I really want to encourage you, though, as we're continuing to go through, whether you've been coming or not, as we're moving forward in this series, uh, keep coming, obviously, keep learning more about God, but to really try to get to know God. And that's what I'm going to be talking to you about tonight, is get to know God personally, because he, he wants to get closer to you. That's just a truth about God that honestly kind of blows my mind when I think about it. Like, God is so huge. He's so, like, he, I literally can't comprehend how big God is, and he actually wants to be closer to, like, me, this random individual out of the billions of people on earth. He actually wants to be close to me. That, it doesn't even seem like that should be the case, but it is. And it's an, it's an incredible truth um, that honestly should change your life. And so whether you feel uh, like you've never been close to God before, or maybe right now you walk in this room thinking, I'm closer to God than I've ever been in my entire life, I just want to encourage you, you can always get to know God on a deeper level. Like he is so vast and so incredible. Like there's, you can spend the rest of your life every single day getting to know God better and you'll still at the end of your life be like hungry for more. So I actually want to, uh, the way that that's possible is the way we're able to connect with God more and more and learn more and more about him is actually through the Holy Spirit. So we're going to watch a quick video that's going to talk a little bit about what is the Holy Spirit or who is the Holy Spirit. All right, so I'm going to be addressing uh, a few different questions about the Holy Spirit. That's kind of what your outline looks like. It goes through some different questions. So the first one is who is the Holy Spirit? 
Now this video addressed it some, and then I just want to keep on expounding upon, upon the video there. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is fully God. The Holy Spirit is fully God. He is not a ghost like Casper. All right, that might be a little bit like uh, dating, but I think everyone knows who Casper the ghost is, all right, the friendly ghost. He is not a ghost like Casper, okay? He's not an emotional experience. That's a lot of people think of, think of the Holy Spirit like an emotional experience. That's not it either. Uh, he's not an impersonal force, all right? Although he might find your lack of faith uh, disturbing. Uh, no. So, uh, no, he's not an impersonal force, and uh, he's not a personal genie, okay? And that's the one I really, like, he's not. He's not a personal genie. That's maybe one of the most common uh, misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. What 2 Corinthians 3.17 says is, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He's actually part of the Trinity. The Bible describes God to us as three individual persons and one God. Okay, it's God the Father, God the Son, that's Jesus, and then God the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit is fully God. He's part of the Trinity, uh, the triune God. So I want to say this clearly uh, because, honestly, mostly because I think whenever you talk about God, that's something you really want to get right, okay? Like I was thinking about this, and I was, I was working through like how to explain that, and I had things I wanted to expound upon, Then I thought, I don't really want to mess around with that, honestly. Like I just want to give you straight up what the Bible says about, about God, uh, and like not air any opinions, because man, who God is is not something uh, to mess around with, because he is who he is. Um, I, I recently uh, heard a clip from a large, very popular church uh, and one that, if I named it, probably most of you would recognize uh, them, very popular um, throughout the United States and um, probably the world. And it was really, it honestly, it kind of disturbed me um, because what, what was said uh, from this church, the person speaking at the church, they said, the individual speaking said they view the Holy Spirit like the genie from Aladdin. That's literally what they said. They even referenced him as being blue. And then to quote them, they said, that's who he is to me. That's what the speaker said. That's who he is to me. That startled me enough for me to take a minute out of my message just to address it. Because the truth of the matter is, how you view God has zero effect on who God is. Okay? zero effect on who God is. He does not change to meet your personal perspective of him. God is who he is, period. Okay? Whether you view him accurately or not is going to affect your life. However, it will not affect him. Romans 8, 9 says, uh, it's talking about followers of Christ, and it says that the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's why it's so important to understand who the Holy Spirit is. Because if I think of him, if I believe he is my personal genie, and that he is dwelling inside of me, I, that affects how I live life much differently than if I believe that the God who created the entire universe, every single tree on earth, all of the oceans, he created every living being, is dwelling inside of me, 
that affects my life very differently than if I believe that my own personal blue genie is living with me. Like, how demeaning towards God is that? That is not who God is, and that's not who the Holy Spirit is. That's not who it's talking about. It's not who Romans 8 is talking about. All right? If God himself dwells in you, the, there is no limit to what you can do in your life through obeying him. That's literally, the possibilities are limitless. So the next is, why did he come? Why did the Holy Spirit come? He came to help us know and follow Christ. Now, actually, he came for a variety of reasons, uh, but this is the one I'm really going to focus in on. He came to help us know and follow Christ. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So have you ever heard of, maybe you've heard the term a born-again Christian. It gets thrown around like the media even sometimes, and I've heard it from a lot of different sources, this born-again Christian. That statement is literally referring to the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what the statement is referring to, born-again Christians, like Titus 3.5 is talking about. The Holy Spirit is at work in your salvation. So his work is significant. John 16, uh, in John 16, uh, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. The helper referring to the Holy Spirit. He's referred to the helper actually uh, frequently in the Bible, which is interesting. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So if you are already a Christian, uh, he actually helps you follow Christ better. And then if you aren't, he draws you nearer and nearer to Christ. That is what he does. He's the one who draws you nearer Christ. I'd go so far as to say is that he's the reason why you are in this room right now. It's because he's actively wanting to draw you closer and closer to Christ. Now, I'm going to be honest. When I read that statement, this is Jesus talking, okay? I want to make sure, like, frame of reference is as accurate, okay? Jesus is talking, and he says... He's talking to his, the guys who are personally with him. He tells them, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I was one of his followers, like he, he might have lost me right there, honestly. I'd be like, no, you're wrong. Like you imagine talking to God, like, you're wrong. Like, no, like, no, 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 no. Please, like, please don't go. Like, I'm begging you. Like, you, I don't know what you think you know, but like, no, like, it's not better that you leave. But Jesus knew. He knew. He said, it is better that I leave. It's to your advantage that I leave because I'm going to send the helper to be there with you. See, because when Jesus came, he was fully God, but he confined himself to a human body. Whereas the Holy Spirit can be with every single one of us at all times, wherever we are, whatever we're going through, he can personally be with you no matter where you are in life and what you're struggling with. He works in our heart at the very core of who we are to bring us back to spiritual life from spiritual death. His work is so, so significant, and it is so, so personal uh, to each and every single person. So I'm actually going to give you, I gave you a list of verses there because, like I said, there's a lot uh, that the Bible says about the Holy Spirit and the things that he does. Uh, and I could spend the whole night just talking about that, but I really want to talk about our response to him as well. 
uh, and how to, how to live with him and get closer to God through the Holy Spirit. So I gave you a list of verses there. Um, John 14, 26, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, uh, and Acts 1, 8. And that's for you to take home. I really encourage you to actually look up those verses uh, in your time, maybe tonight, tomorrow morning. Look up those verses and see what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. And that is a very small sampling, actually, of what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Uh, so the next, the next uh, question is, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So to be filled with means uh, controlled and empowered by. That's what it's talking about. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means to be controlled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit means that I am abiding in Christ and he's abiding in me. This is what John 15, 5 is talking about. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is God's intention for the life of a Christian. If I abide in Christ and he in me, then daily I am being supernaturally empowered to live a life that is impossible to live apart from him. I want to say that again because it's really significant. If I'm abiding in Christ and he in me, then daily I am being empowered supernaturally to live a life that is literally impossible for me to live apart from him. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think most Christians live this way. And I I say that actually confidently because I did not used to live this way. And I still have days where I don't live this way. I mean, if you look around, there's a reason why Uh, Christians are portrayed in TV shows and movies primarily as hypocrites. It's because there are a lot of Christian hypocrites in the world. That's why. And I used to be one of them, honestly. And then I was confused why my life didn't have real significant meaning. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. I miss this. I miss Galatians 5.16. I miss John 15.5 in living out uh, my faith in God. I used to think it was up to me to not be bad. That's what I thought. That was up to me not to be bad. It was up to me to be a, a good Christian. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you've ever tried this before. I tried, I tried really hard to be a good Christian on my own. And mostly I was, I was pretty judgmental and prideful whenever I did anything right. And whenever I was wrong, I, I made excuses or just got really down. You know, that was kind of how I lived my life. And it wasn't full of meaning. And honestly, I wasn't producing any sort of like spiritual fruit to speak of because like Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I was apart from him. I wasn't relying on him. So being filled with the Holy Spirit is not just floating on a cloud with God. It's not this emotional experience that kind of like drives you through life. That's not, that's not what the Holy Spirit's about. It's about taking steps of faith with the Holy Spirit. You catch what uh, Galatians 5.16 said? It actually said, walk by the Spirit. That means you have to, t- to walk. Like, by logical default, you have to take steps, okay? You have to actually take steps with the Holy Spirit. And I heard, I heard an analogy once, and it really struck me because I had experienced this truth before the analogy was shared with me. They said, we're all like cell phones, Okay, like talk about like a like a modern analogy here. Like we are all like cell phones. Okay, on our own, we run out of juice. We run out of power. 
We've got to plug into the power source. That's how it is with, with the Holy Spirit. We need to plug into the power source. We've got to plug into God to be empowered to live the life he wants us to live. Does that make sense? Is that, is that clicking? Like, if you actually want to achieve significant things in your life that won't just fade away as soon as you die, like, you need to be plugged into the power source of God. When God helped me understand this, uh, it, one really big change it made in my life is it made four things uh, a lot more significant to me. So these four things were reading my Bible, praying, going to church, and sharing my faith with others. Up until this point in life, I really viewed all four of these things as like good ideas. You know, honestly, I thought they were kind of cute. Like, oh, like, cool. Yeah, like, it's really good people do that. And when I feel like it, I do it too. You know, if I'm feeling it and I read my Bible that day and then I, I get really prideful. I'm like, oh, yeah, look at me. Like, you know, I read my Bible. Um, but when, when I started taking the Holy Spirit seriously, when I started taking God seriously and being connected with him, all four of those things gained a lot more significance in my personal daily uh, life. And so actually what I want, I want you to do is I want you to take 30 seconds. I wrote those down uh, in your handouts. I want you to, to take a second and circle which one of those you think you need to work on the most. And then I'd actually love it for you. I put some blank space there for you as well. For you to write down how you can take steps, what steps you can take to grow in whatever that is. I'm just going to give you 30 seconds. You can go and start right now. Uh, and then if you don't finish, that's okay. You can, you can uh, finish up later tonight, maybe. So Matthew 6, 33 through 34 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Our attitude each day needs to be determined to not let anything get in the way of us knowing God and obeying him more fully. So that's what I encourage you to do with those four things uh, whatever one you really need to work on the most, don't let anything get in your way of that. Whatever your one you circled, honestly, uh, take a step. Whatever your next step is, I can't tell you what your specific next step is, but I'm sure you can think of one. They're very four practical things. Uh, what is your next step in that? Because ultimately to have faith in God means you trust God, right? To have faith in God means you trust God. And trust drives action. All right? And I, or as the Bible says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. James 2.26. That's why trying to passively float on a God cloud through life doesn't get you very far. It does not build an intimate relationship between you and God because it lacks real faith. Because real faith means you have real trust. And real trust in God will drive you to action because you believe him. You, and he says lots of things in the Bible about how to live life. And the great, great news is that the game is rigged. This is, this is the best news, I think, is the game is completely rigged. The more you get to know God, the more you will trust him. The more you trust God and act on that and obey him, the more you'll see and experience his goodness, and the more you'll know him. 
And then the more you know God, the more you'll trust him. And then the more you'll follow him. And the more you follow him, the more you'll know him and the more you trust him. It's really, it's, a, it's like a, uh, it's an awesome cycle that builds you up and up and up in your faith. So I wanted to address the question, why is the average Christian not filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, there's actually several different answers to this question. I'm just going to address one. And because this is the biggest uh, obstacle I've faced uh, in being connected to God through the Holy Spirit in my life. And that is sin. Don't let sin get in the way of knowing God on a deeper level. Just don't. Don't let sin get in the way of knowing God on a deeper level. Galatians 5.17 says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. They're contradictory. So of course, that sin is going to mess with your daily walk with God. Sin and the spirit are, are in battle against each other. They're contrary to each other. Isaiah 66, 18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Now, it's not about being perfect before you can come to God or be connected with him. Uh, it's really about uh, keeping, keeping your uh, relationship with him clear. And actually, I heard this, this illustration once, and it was really helpful. It's with an, an old school, uh, like, scuba diver. Okay, I have a picture here, actually. All right, this is, no, this is not a monster movie. This is an actual uh, real-life picture of an old school scuba diver. Uh, they had to be connected with a hose to a tank that was on the boat in order to go down underwater. So they didn't have, like, you know, the tanks that you wear in your back. They had to be connected with a hose to the tank on the boat, and that fed the oxygen into their helmet so they could breathe while underwater. So picture me, you know, walking underwater on the, uh, you know, on the ocean floor, and I see this rock. I'm like, dude, that's a dope rock. <laughs> so I pick it up. I'm like, oh, dude, I just really want to, like, throw this on my hose. <laughs> okay, so I guess I, I do it. You know, I, I, it's pretty, I guess. I don't know. It's attractive. I, so I take the rock, and I throw it on my hose. What's going to happen? It's going to choke off my air. That's going to choke off the one thing that is supplying me with life, okay? That is a picture of what sin does to your relationship with God. It is like stupidly picking up a rock and throwing on your lifeline. That's what you're doing. That's what I do when I sin, you know? Now, the good news is that's not the end of the picture of sin because we all do sin, right? So that, that's the problem. So that's, that's really the issue of unrepentant sin, I guess I should clarify, is what I know, I'm like, this is, this, this is, this is stupid, this is wrong, uh, but this rock is really pretty. You know, it's in, it's in those times. So, you know, when I have this sin, I'm like, ah, like, I, that just looks really attractive to me. Like, I, I want to do this. Maybe it's like lashing back. That's something I struggle with, lashing back at somebody who's wronged me, or I think has wronged me, I guess. Uh, you know, it just feels good in the moment to do that. And I know it's wrong. And so I need to choose not to do that. I need to be clear in my understanding of man, my relationship with God is much more important than getting even. There's a whole gamut of other reasons why it's a, just unwise to do that. Uh, but uh, if nothing else, the most important is that man, I want to keep my relationship with God clear and, and not sin against him. So how can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? I've actually already addressed this some, but I don't want to keep getting into this. How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? This is actually uh, an extremely common 
question among Christians. They want to know how, if you've met someone who's really full of the Holy Spirit, I guess they'd probably drive you to this question. I want, I want to live life how they're living life. Have you ever met someone like that? Like, man, they're living life, they're, they're really living life how I want to. I want to, I want to live life, I want to experience life the way they're experiencing life. I mean, that, I think that's why so many Christians in America ask this question. Man, how do I get that life? How do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? So here it is. Um, here's, it's a simple, a simple illustration, actually, and it deals with the issue of sin first. Um, so it flows well here. It's the idea of spiritual breathing. All right, so everybody together, I want everybody to exhale. Now inhale. Okay, that was physical breathing. So now I'm going to talk about spiritual breathing. All right, starting with exhaling. So exhaling is confessing your, you confess your sin the moment you become aware of it. Agree with God concerning it and thank him for his forgiveness. According to 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9 says, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So you don't have to dig up every single sin that you've ever committed. The important thing is the attitude of your heart. Now, don't try to like skim over the ones you're embarrassed about. I mean, honestly, part of the Holy Spirit being real is that he's with you all the time. He's actually everywhere all the time. So he was there while you were sinning, okay? If you're embarrassed thinking about it in front of him or talking to him about it, think of the fact that he was actually there while you were sinning, okay? Like that's so much worse. So he already knows what's happened. So don't, don't stop from confessing your sin because of that. Be real with him. Be honest. Confess your sin to him. Um, and then accept the forgiveness that he offers. That's really important things. Accept the forgiveness that he offers. Jesus died on the cross for a reason. You know, that wasn't for fun. He did that for a reason. It was to pay for your sins. And so your sins can be completely forgiven by God because of what he did. And God knows your heart and the desire, uh, your desire to be right with him. And so you don't have to, like I say, you don't have to think of every single sin you've ever committed. Um, but one thing that I've done before is I've actually asked God. I said, God, like, if there's anything, you know, going on in my life that, that's wrong, that, that's sin, please, like, help, help bring it to mind right now so that I can repent of it, you know, ask your forgiveness, and then work on moving away from that and closer towards you. And then as you pray that, actually, uh, sometimes, and I've experienced this as well, he'll bring something to mind that you don't need to just clear up with him. He might bring to mind something you need to clear up with somebody else. Uh, and this isn't, I wouldn't say this happens the majority of the time, but it definitely happens. Because if in sinning against God, you've actually sinned against another person, you've wronged them anyway, it's really important that you go clear that up. You need to make it right as far as it depends on you with that person also, along with God. And there's verses about that in the Bible. And then don't put it off. If as I was talking about that just now, something came to mind, like for goodness sakes, please write it down and don't let yourself off the hook because the, whatever the brief embarrassment or humbling you'll experience in going through that, the gift of being more closely connected with the Holy Spirit like vastly outweighs like maybe the difficulty uh, or discomfort of that, uh, maybe some humbling that you're gonna need to go through. And then the next step is inhale. You surrender control of your life to Jesus, relying upon the Holy Spirit to fill you with his presence and power by faith, and then start walking with Christ. Again, here comes this idea, walking with Christ. Take your next step of obedience. Don't just clear up your relationship with God 
and then kind of leave him for the next time you feel guilty. Okay? If all you're ever doing is exhaling, you just, oh man, I sin, you know, God, please forgive me. And then you just kind of don't think about it until the next time. Like, ah, I feel really guilty about this. God, I'm so sorry. Like, please forgive me. And you're never inhaling. You're never actually getting his life in you. You're never actually getting that power to live life on a whole nother level. You really need to be inhaling along with the exhaling. And ultimately, you're filled with the Holy Spirit by faith. That, that's huge. You are filled with the Holy Spirit by faith. This is actually like the, the absolute answer to the question. The question of how can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? It's by faith. And I know that. I can say that confidently because that is straight up what the Bible says. All right. Colossians 2.6 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So you catch that. As you received Christ, continue to live your lives in him. And then Ephesians uh, 2.8 says, you've been saved through faith. So the way we've been saved through faith is the same way we continue to live our lives. If that wasn't clear enough for you, uh, Galatians 3.14 says, believers received the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Okay, that just says it very plainly for all of us to understand. So that's the big secret. That's the answer to the question that so many people are asking. How, how do I get connected with the Holy Spirit? How do I get more filled with the Holy Spirit? It is by faith. And help me clarify a little more what this likes, looks like to you. I'm actually going to share with you uh, some experiences I've been going through in just the last about three weeks of my life. Uh, and it's really, it was in the process of preparing this message for tonight, over the last three weeks. So the preface to this is that, uh, the preface is that I have brain problems, all right? So that's why I like to call them brain problems. So I've had Tourette's since I was like five or six. I've known that. And then uh, I've been having other issues as well. And I always thought it was just Tourette's. But as of May of this year, uh, my doctor and I both are pretty confident that I also have epilepsy. Uh, not like uh, grand mal seizures. That's where like, you know, your whole body is seizing. Uh, it's small seizures in my brain that they just, if you can imagine that, really messes with you. It messes with concentration, uh, messes with I sleep, it messes with my ability to focus and get work done. I just messes with my days. Most, most days of my life, um, it, it messes with me. So that's the, that's the preface. It's helpful to understand. So over the last few weeks, uh, I had to sit down six times to work on this message before I got a single productive, um, you know, work time in, uh, in working on this for tonight. And that one my first productive uh, session of working on this lasted about an hour and a half before my brain kicked in and stopped me from continuing work. Now, I knew that God wanted me to prepare this uh, and give this message to you all tonight. And so I continued to, in faith, set aside times to work on this message uh, and continue trying over and over and over. Um, I think I ended up with around like 15 or so different times I set aside a significant chunk, being multiple hours out of my day to work on this message um, to where I, I am here tonight giving it to you. Uh, and I think about three of them ended up being where I could work for more than, you know, 10, 15 minutes at a time. Uh, so, um, yeah, by God's grace, he helped me through the Holy Spirit to write this message that I'm sharing with you now. Uh, and yes, I prayed. Uh, and yes, I did everything that I know to do to try to, uh, you know, get my mind in the right frame of reference, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, set up to be able to work productively. That's some different things I can do to try to get ready by, 
for it, like exercising um, and eating healthy. And I was trying to do the things I knew to do. But beyond that, it's really outside of my control. So I would just pray, God, please help me. Uh, I really know you want me to do this. And I really want to do this. Like, please help me to be able to work, to be able to work on this message. Then I'm going to share a challenge. And then I would act. I would just do it. I would just sit down and try to do it. And I wouldn't stop until I couldn't go. That makes sense. That's, it's, it's difficult to explain what happens to my brain, but if you can imagine, like, I just, I wouldn't stop working on it until it, my brain would not go any further. Uh, it's just a large roadblock that I could not, I would try to jump over it, and I'd fall, and then I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and I really relied on 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 to do this. If you can imagine, uh, I'm not trying to, like, plead for sympathy here, but if you can imagine, it's a pretty frustrating circumstance to have your mind stop you from being productive. And so it, it's really draining emotionally for me to do work like this. Uh, so I really relied on 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. It's not in your handout. I actually made it on my screensaver on my phone so that in those moments, I could, like, reference it quickly um, to really encourage me. And this is what it says. I'm going to just read it to you off my screensaver. As three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking about some sort of issue he was having. The Bible doesn't give us specifically what it was. He called it as thorn in his side. Um, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, and then Paul starts saying, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So honestly, I just had to read that verse and then act on faith. That's what I'm to the, remember my whole story is about. That's about how, what does it actually look like um, to be connected with the Holy Spirit through faith? Is you act on faith. I did not feel like it. I didn't feel like it a single time that I worked on this message, like doing it. And honestly, it feels horrible. It's highly, uh, it's extremely physically uncomfortable to try to push my brain to work on something uh, like this. And so I had to knowingly go into physical discomfort and, and push uh, myself to be able to work on this, knowing for the rest of the day, the rest of my day would be physically worse because of it. Um, but I knew it was something God wanted me to do. And so in faith, I acted on this, knowing if God doesn't want that to happen, he'll keep it from happening. But ultimately, God's a lot more concerned with my character than my comfort. And actually, this section that I'm, I'm talking about right now, I typed up while my brain was bothering me. So I was trying to type. And it was going really slowly. And then I had my one-year-old screaming in my face at the same time. Okay, this is, this is happening. Um, but to be fair, uh, Calvin, my son, uh, he had his cup of water. And he was just explaining to me that the, the water that was in his cup wasn't the water that he wanted. So he had a really good reason for screaming my face about that. You know, if you could, a lot of sympathy there for him. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a pretty rough, long few weeks for me, um, to be honest. A lot of long hours with not a lot to show for it for the amount of time I've put in. And like I said, I'm telling this all to you not to gain sympathy, um, but to give you uh, my real life example of relating to God's Holy Spirit through faith, okay? It wasn't this clean-cut spiritual experience. And granted, I've had those before. I've had these spiritual experiences with God where I just, I was reading the Bible and I felt really connected to him. But that's not what it, in my experience, that is not what it's been like the most of my life. 
But now, today, standing before you, I am more connected to God than I was three weeks ago, having struggled through this experience and having relied on the Holy Spirit, despite my circumstances. I didn't let my circumstances dissuade me from putting my faith in God. I put my faith in God, and it was hard. And now I'm here giving you this message tonight. Now I'm closer to God because I, I, I in faith, took steps of obedience with him. Because I've mentioned this several times, is regardless of how you feel, and I'm not trying to diminish the place of feelings in our life, but what I am trying to tell you is that uh, you need to step out in obedient faith regardless of how you feel. Because God's reality, the reality of God, trumps your feelings every single time. So I'm going to wrap up, show a video of uh, Francis Chan. And this is, he's talking about what it looks like to be connected with God more and more through the Holy Spirit, through being obedient to him. And this is, he talks, he, what he's talking about specifically is probably uh, one of the biggest areas of obedience where I've seen God help me grow more. And it's in obedience to God in following uh, the mission he's given us. God's given us the mission. God paved the way, right? He sent Jesus to die for our sins. And then he did that for us. And then he told us, go out and tell other people about what I did for them so that I can spend eternity with them in heaven instead of apart from them. That's what God's told us to do. He's given us that mission. And so it's, you can't, we ultimately cannot walk in obedience towards God in life and just neglect that area. And so this, this is what Francis Chan is addressing. All right, let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for being a person with God. I thank you so much for wanting to know us more and more. I thank you for actually knowing us entirely and wanting to be closer and closer to us, for wanting us to know you more and more and even making the way for that to happen. I pray that each one of us here tonight would really take your word seriously and would pursue you actively in our life, that we would walk with the Spirit, that we would take whatever the next step is that you have for us, uh, and that out of that, we would experience you in our life in a very real way, and that would just motivate us, that would prompt us to, to take the next step. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.